sure it wasn't Man from Lang making like a, a sock puppet Reddit account to troll you. <laughs> if it was if it was uh, Machete something, then yes, I think that would have <laughs> definitely been him. <laughs> oh my god! I'm I'm inclined to agree with you, Vase, but it seems as though your opinions have been totally off base as of late. <laughs> I'm, I'm inclined to think that you've somehow been replaced. Ooh. That's right. And since Yithians aren't real, the only thing I can assume is that it is Geo. <laughs> it very well could be. It very well could be. Let face go! Free vase. We can get that trending right up there with Brittany. Free vase and Brittany. <laughs> 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 Oh my god. Yes. Wow, we went there. Welcome to Arkham Horror, not related to Batman whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 21 of the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. Much I'm better. your host, Nate, lost in time and space. And with me, as always, are my fellow co-hosts. I'm Man from Lang, host of the Whisperer and Darkness YouTube channel. I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. Hey, and I'm Nathan Early, Jester of the Abyss, Strudel Champion of the World. Welcome. I'm gl- I'm so glad you brought back the Strudel Champion. I missed Strudel. I did too. I'm glad that that is a thing again. But <laughs> going back into what I've been up to, I started school uh, last last month, and that's been keeping me super busy, which Yay. has kind of been why we haven't been able to record uh, Wait, an episode over the past month. Because you're, you're back to school. Yes. So you're gonna do that triple dive thing with the. You guys seen that movie? The triple dive thing? Oh, man. You guys have never seen Back to School, man? With Rodney Dangerfield? No, man. Yeah, no, I have. I'm, I'm just opening it passes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. And Iron Man's in it when he was really young. True. And if you play your cards right, you can meet a hot nurse Heather. <laughs> what? <laughs> was that her name in that movie? No, that's uh, Nate's wife. Mm-hmm. Yes, we know this. Sorry, <laughs> Nate. Continue. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I started school, and that's kind of the reason we haven't been able to record as much recently. But that's not to say we haven't recorded anything. Uh, Vase, we did a couple scenario reviews. We have uh, coming down the pipeline soon. Uh, patrons have access to our review of Ex Oblivione, which was a scenario that we played on Twitch during the summer that we had a lot of fun with. With some patrons. With patrons as well. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, been 
Keeping up with the streaming schedule Tuesdays and Fridays on Twitch. So your stream schedule, you played Little Little Monster, uh, Little um, Nightmares Part Two. Oh yeah, yeah how was that? It. What are your first impressions of that one? Uh, Little Nightmares Two is creepy. It definitely maintains the same creepy vibe. Um, the only thing that I didn't like about it is that there's a couple sections where you have to kind of fight your way out of a situation. And the mechanics feel clunky, so it's kind of frustrating. Clunky versus part one. Uh, yeah. Like, clunk, uh, like the first game had a little bit of clunkiness to it, too. But um, in this in this game, I feel like it kind of rears its head in a more unpleasant way. Oh, that's too bad. Because that the, the fights, they're, they're very few and far in between. But when you have to fight in that game, it's freaking awesome. Like that geisha fight in part one. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, I mean, I... like that was really well done. But in this one, there's a scene. Uh, this is a bit of a spoiler, but you're you're going through a school and you have to like time hits with a sledgehammer to to crush enemies, and it feels really clunky because it has like a l- really long startup time, and it doesn't always like start when you press the button. It's it's it was clunky, so it was like more just you would die due to, the, like, the controls not really doing what you intended it to do. So that was a little frustrating. But other than that, the game is very satisfying to play. It definitely maintains that super creepy vibe. The teacher is horrifying. Uh, she has this, like, neck that protrudes and, like, squirms around like a like a snake and chases you around. It's... that's horrifying yeah the visuals in in the part one were so good and then this one the little bit that i got to catch where it it looks so good Mm. yeah and then we've been playing arkham on stream too i've been playing through insmith a little bit uh with trish and i've been starting a couple of other campaigns i started a solo jacqueline through uh, Return to Carcosa with a Ultimatum of Chaos deck, and then we recently finished up a Daisy campaign with a random deck through Return to TFA. Ultimate Ultimatum of Chaos, man, you are a glutton for punishment, aren't you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, uh, what about Man from Ling? What have you been up to? I have finally, well, I haven't caught up yet. That's the plan for this month. I finished my Dream Eaters campaigns with Luke and Patrice. Those are up on the on the channel. Uh, all, I think, we're pretty much caught up with the reviews, the player card reviews. Uh, the ones for Horror and High Gear went up. Uh, just got my packs for In a Light in the Fog today, so I'm looking forward to... Uh, to digging into those player cards, which look uh, pretty good for the most part. Uh, I've been uh, prepping for my playthrough of Innsmouth, which I'll probably kick off tomorrow, and uh, hoping to get that uh, most of the scenarios done by the end of the month. And then uh, in my spare time, I have been uh, playing a janky Rex Murphy curse deck that... Uh, has done reasonably well after some uh, a lot of uh, tweaking here and there to try to find the uh, the right mix of cards. Just testing out how the curse mechanic actually works, and uh, I built it initially to test out how the uh, cryptic grimoires would work, and uh, I have yet to trigger them, but uh, 
perhaps I need to uh, tweak the deck further in order to uh, to take advantage, uh, best advantage of them. And when I uh, haven't been doing that, I've been uh, trying to play some uh, board games with my kids. We played uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak at the beginning of the year, which was... Very cool. Okay. It was all right. It's uh, Amazing. No, it was fun. <laughs> and uh, I made the mistake of uh, dipping my toe into uh, Vital Lacerda's designs, and now I am smitten. So... Any games in particular standing out? Uh, I I have played both On Mars and uh, Kanban EV Solo. Oh, wow. And uh, loved them both. And I bought On Mars today. And yeah. uh, I will be picking up Kanban later this month. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, you got a bit deep on that one. Yeah, I, I think that's probably where I'm going to stop for now. Um because both of those sort of appeal to me from a theme perspective. But uh, I know that there's uh, uh, the one channel I, I watch on YouTube, and uh, I cannot, uh, for the life of me, remember. They did a whole Lacerda series, and they both ranked Lisboa as their number one game. Oh, cool. And I remember watching someone attempt to explain how to play that game and uh, was lost. But uh, I think Eagle Griffin Games is doing a new, has launched a Kickstarter or... Uh, a Kickstarter has ended for a new deluxe edition of Lisboa. So if I decide to pick it up, I will wait for that. But uh, I am really looking forward to digging into to On Mars and and uh, Kanban further. It's, uh, it's rare that I start to play a game and I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to go. <laughs> I have no idea how to beat this game. And then... Uh, Slowly, uh, as you uh, play further, you start to to get a better handle on how to uh, how to do it. So, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Vase. <laughs> well, um, Arkham wise, I've been ve- playing very, very uh, rarely. <laughs> Unfortunately, I got to play a game with JP. We did Carnival or JP from Northern Lights over Arkham. We got to play a Carnival of Horrors game, and we played Father Mateo and Sister Mary. And really, like, played up the blessed token thing. Jesus Christ, Ace. Ha <laughs> ha. The power of Christ compels you. Uh, it was uh, it was really fun. We started off really strong, and then it kind of took a downward turn. <laughs> After a certain point, there's just so many enemies, and I think I didn't uh, tech my deck well enough for that. Uh, we specialized, I think, a little too much. And I forget that Carnivale... It's like one of those scenarios that you don't really have to do a whole lot of investigating. So that was, um, it was, I had high hopes in the beginning because we were doing, we started off so well. And then I was a little disappointed at the end, but um, I I have ideas of what to do to tweak the deck and make it better. And I think if we were to do it again, then uh, we probably will be extremely successful because the deck JP made with Sister Mary and uh, uh, the Winchester, he made a Winchester blessed token build. Which is fantastic. I mean, she was killing things left and right. I think we killed every single elite creature in in the scenario except for the final one. Spoiler alert. So, yeah. Um, so, Arkham-wise, that's all I've been doing. Um, been watching uh, some TV with the wife. We've been snowed in. Got into a show called Letter Kenny. It's pretty funny. It's not Arkham-related, but it's Canadian, so I figure I could... 
I could learn to speak like Man from Lang, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, man, everyone tells me to watch that show. I have yet well, to watch it. Put it this way: to watch Letter Kenny is to know Man from Lang completely. Yeah, yeah, it's super good. It's a great show. And if if Man from Lang clearly has watched it because he's from Canada and they they have like three shows, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That is a lie. <laughs> four. Sorry, four. <laughs> um, so that's been fun. And then I've been playing D&D like no one's business. <laughs> I, I'm now, I'm, we're doing three campaigns uh, kind of at once. Just started a new Rhyme of the Frost Maiden campaign, which what inspired me to do that one, I've been watching uh, Nicholas from the, or Nick, I guess you can call him, from the Mythos Busters. He has his own Twitch channel that's completely separate from Mythos Busters. And him and MJ Newman of Arkham fame have been playing Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. It's a, like the latest campaign of the of fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. And it's been really fun to watch. I've only caught a few episodes, but they've all been really good. The campaign is very, it's like one of the most horror themed campaigns in fifth edition. And it's a different type of horror than, say, Curse of Strahd. If you're familiar with D&D, Curse of Strahd is more like gothic horror. Rhyme of the Frostmaiden is like a completely different type of horror. It is more um, the thing than it is gothic. It's like isolation, desolation, just despair, coldness. And it's, um, ev- you know, things lurking around the darkness. It's awesome. It's really, really cool. So it's right up my alley. So I started playing it and I'm enjoying it so far tremendously. So that's pretty much... Let me think. Are you DMing it or are you playing it? I'm playing it as a player. I rarely get to play, so uh, this is it's fun when I when I can actually try out a, a character. And I am playing a new aberrant mind sorcerer, which is also Lovecraftian themed, of course, and uh, it's one of the best sorcerer subclasses. So, really enjoying playing this aberrant mind sorcerer in this horror campaign. Really cool. And I think that's all I've been up to, really. Just doing a lot of, putting out a lot of videos uh, lately. And Nathan, what have you been up to? Um, yes, everything. Now, uh, I was excited when Man From Lang brought up the Vital Lacerta games because um, they have been very widely discussed on, or in the board game community. I, I listen to the uh, Board Game Barbecue uh, podcast uh, every three days they come out with a new episode because they got nine people. And holy cow, if you ever want to know everything about Kickstarters and board games and in-depth, oh, so good. But they've been really jonesing on all of Vital Acerte stuff, and they really like On Mars as well. So I've uh, been playing a lot of board games, uh, Too Many Bones. Uh, I got Anachrony. I got all of the Aeon's End. I got Anachrony too. Yeah. We'll play, oh. we'll play it when we get together. Yeah. I got the Infinity Box. Oh, my God, dude. You just went deep. I did. I did. I was just like, I was like, oh, I'm going to get Anachrony. But of course, I can't get it up here because game stores suck yeah. up here. How do, you, how do you get it? So I went to Mind Clash Games and joined their mailing list. And they said, well, we're going to, we're fulfilling the Kickstarters for the Infinity Box. What? And then we're going to release some to the public. And so I, they said, February 2nd, they're coming out for the public. So I nice. bought one. Nice. Well, congrats. Which has everything now, in it. There's so many. So many good games crazy. out there. But sounds like you're on the better end of the spectrum. If you would have said, like, yeah, I play Catan and Cards Against Humanity, like, all the time. I mean, that's cool. Monopoly. But they're just, 
Yeah, I mean, they're just different, different crowds. Whoa, Nathan, you're board game shaming people all of a sudden. No, no, Cards Against Humanity tends to really Suck. dig into a lot of, <laughs> like, well, it just digs into a lot of, like, racist, heartless comments that you could say, oh, well, that doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't say who I am. But it also kind of numbs people to saying horrible things like, you know, like I I took a bath in a pool of children's tears from crying Jews or something horrible like that. And the more people laugh and, and say that kind of shit, it's just kind of, in a way, it's dehumanizing. At least that's what I've noticed over the last several years. And so, yeah, I, a little bit. But anywho, a lot of good board games out there that a uh, man from Lang apparently likes. So that's good. Oh, I recently uh, picked up a copy of Innis, which I'm still waiting to be Ooh, yeah. in the house. But and I've heard good they, things about that. Yep. Apparently they pronounce it Inish, which is the Celtic way of saying island. Inish. You wouldn't think so because it doesn't have an H on the end. But now that's what I've thoughts what I've come to hear. I have from my own ears. So. I thought. Well, oh, I there. also picked up the Inish expansion as well. Oh, so did you? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful, don't you know, lad? <laughs> People tune in don't halfway you know? through. You're <laughs> going Minnesota here, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, maybe I'm from Ireland, but oh, I'm maybe. also from visiting Minnesota, don't you know? Minnesotans and the Irish are literally the exact same. So it does stand <laughs> to reason. You know, been to Cork, Minnesota. Uh, so basically playing all the games, reading the uh, Lovecraftian comic, uh, Miskatonic. Got three uh, issues out so far. I think it's a five-issue run. I've uh, been playing more Cthulhu, Death May Die, more Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle-Earth. Uh, I've been helping design uh, tokens for various games uh, for a couple different places on Etsy. So uh, if there's a board game token out there that looks kind of cool, there's a very small chance I help design it. So um, Yeah, so good times. Nice. Well, um, I guess we can move on to our next little subject matter here, which is our upcoming stream charity event, Horrors Without Borders. Yay! Oh, yeah. I am so excited. Horrors Without Borders, as the name suggests, is a charity stream we'll be hosting live February 27th on our Twitch channel to raise money for Doctors Without Borders. This 17-hour event will feature a slew of Arkham content creators such as the Mythos Busters, Drawn to the Flame... Winging it, dumb luck, and many others. So no matter where you live, there'll be something you can watch. Many members of the Arkham community have graciously put forth prizes that we'll be giving away. And man, let me tell you, there's a lot of great stuff here. I mean, we're talking about like a full set of starter decks, a full uh, cycle of the Insmith Conspiracy, uh, novellas, orbits, tokens, bags, t-shirts, and tons of other swag and scenarios that you can get your hands on. Uh, Justin from the Mythos Busters put together a really nice landing page for the event at the Mythos Busters website, uh, which will be linked in the show notes of this episode. And on that page, you can find a full schedule for the event along with a detailed list of the items that we'll be giving away and details on how you can donate to the cause. We're really excited for this event, and we hope we see you all on Saturday, February 27th for Horrors Without Borders.
Well, since we've been kind of at a bit of a standstill waiting for some of the Arkham products to be released due to limited availability as of late, I was curious, and Nathan was curious, what are your guys' favorite investigators to play right now? Let's start with uh, Man From Light. I was giving some thought to this question when it was uh, posed in our email thread, and uh, to be honest, I don't think I have a favorite. Um, I think that's just the nature of the channel that I do, is that I'm always playing... I play all the investigators, or at least 99% of them. And Man from Lang, uh, just a quick question. In Canada, do people sit on fences often or <laughs> not so much? Uh, sometimes, yes. We're, we try to be polite to everyone and so nobody gets their feelings hurt. So, And, and your, your answer is actually really valid, and I totally understand why you would say that. But like, if someone were to just say, name one you really like, what's one you would name? One that I like? One that I really like? Um, I don't know. That's tough. I, I've got to sit on the fence because I think, honestly, I think with the card pool being what it is now, I think pretty much every investigator uh, with the right build can do well in pretty much most campaigns if with a little luck sometimes if i'm if i'm playing by myself if i if i say if i want to pick up i tend to play um i'd say probably the older investigators more like when i built this when i wanted to test the curse tokens i was i gravitated towards rex just uh uh, not necessarily because of him, but because I looked at the, what uh, options I had, and uh, he seemed like um, an interesting challenge, largely because he can't use the fortune cards, which is uh, appears on many of the cards that add curse tokens. So that's an added uh, challenge to building around him. And I didn't feel like playing Daisy, so... Yeah, with Rex, do you just use his ability once a turn, and it feels pretty natural or do you ignore that aspect of the taboo list i i tend to play with the taboo yeah he's pretty busted if you don't yeah he can get pretty ridiculous like i was playing him with uh with uh what's his name the professor from the mm -hmm. course christopher so. milan or no it's probably yeah. milan, milan christopher. christopher the two of them together it, it gets pretty ridiculous pretty fast unless you put some Put the brakes on them but i tend to play like if i was to to say pick up an investigator for fun i tend to gravitate towards probably uh mystics uh first and guardians and survivors uh rogues and seekers are probably the ones i play the least but as for like if i was to say you need to play a solo campaign then i would play ashcan if I wanted a good chance of winning. I was about to say, Duke, Duke is powerful. I'd play Ashken, just because the, the action advantage that Duke generates is unparalleled, especially in a solo, in solo. You can do things with him solo that you can't do with another investigator. And as we all know, actions count for a lot in this game. So having, having Duke along to give you, uh, feed you extra actions is uh, very important. 
But that said, if you if you handed me a Reedy Young deck and said play this, I'd you know, or told me to build around a Reedy Young, like to to build a, a Reedy deck and play that, I would uh, challenge accepted. I'd build a deck and probably have a lot of fun with her. Now, what if somebody said take that deck and play Heart of the Elders Part One? Well, then. I, <laughs> uh, wow. That's we need to change the rating of our podcast. Well, that's that's a slap in the face to to say that to anybody. Really, like, <laughs> actually, I think you know. Honestly, Rita would probably do okay in that because she can evade everything, and mm-hmm. that's what that scenario is all about, right? Yeah, she can evade so, and move. So. so, given given the investigators, I would have to play that scenario with Rita would probably be. Uh, I would rather use her than say a low agi- a low agility guardian like Roland. Okay, so we take that question away, man from Ling, and we ask you if you had to pick play Wages of Sin, who would you take? Uh, I'd still play Ashcan. Wow. You wouldn't just stop in the middle and say, "Why are we? Why am I playing this again?" I, I would say that. <laughs> I would say I would stop and say, "Why am I doing this?" But if I wanted the actions, I would definitely play Ashcan. But that's 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 unique to I mean I mean there aren't that's the solo that's the solo format for you right and I think I, when I was thinking about this, the reason I sort of don't have a a, a a real favorite I think is just because when you're playing solo a lot like I do, the the investigators tend to get a little more homogenous because you you sand off what they're bad at and um, and uh, their investigation gets enhanced. So taking an investigator like Rita, for example, who if you were playing her in multiplayer, say in a four-player game, there's no expectation that she will ever investigate. But that's just not her job. She will never do it. But... If I am playing her in solo, then she has to investigate well, and I will build the deck accordingly. So a re- if I'm playing Rita solo, she will investigate uh, probably not as well as a dedicated seeker, but she's going to do, she's going to get me the clues I need. So all the investigators tend to to sort of gravitate towards the center when you're building a deck, when you're building solo decks like that. You can't play a Rita deck and not in solo and not enhance her investigation abilities in some way. That's just not gonna. That's just not gonna work. So that's why I tend to say, like, if you build the deck right and you and you you pilot it well, then I think most investigators can do pretty well, and I'll have fun playing them. But if I wanted to win, then I definitely play Ashcan. How about you, Vase? Since there's so much judgment. Well, I, before I start, I, I'd like to say that I'm glad that Nathan was able to get an answer out of you, <laughs> which, was, uh, which was exactly what we were looking for. For me, my favorite three investigators. Uh, I think everyone knows I'm a huge fan of Carolyn Fern and a huge fan of Father Mateo. So those two are given. And uh, a third one, the third one for me... Um, would probably be Patrice. Uh, I just really, really dig the way that her deck works. It's uh, it's still something I haven't fully figured out how to make work perfectly yet, but it's interesting to me. 
But mostly I really enjoy Mystics. It's it's kind of my thing. So I like I like all Mystics. Jacqueline is super fun. Akachi super fun. Um, it can't be your thing, base because it's my thing. The Mystic you have to thing? Pick a different, you have to pick a different thing. It was your thing before my thing. I will give you that. My thing was Carolyn, the multi, multi-class investigator. But I have seen the light from Man from Lang, and I agree with you that Mystics are the best now. So... That's that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much what it boils down to. I I think uh, Mateo is even though he's single class, I really enjoy the Mystic card pool as it's expanded. It's become the uh, to me the most in- interesting of the card pools. And then Carolyn, I, I, I really like you know the protector role in multiplayer. So for sure, multiplayer Carolyn is the one I'm always going to play. But even for single player. For solo, I, I think that having access to such a large card pool really makes Carolyn extremely interesting for deck building because there's just so many possibilities with her. And she has access. Yeah, and I was, I was going to save this for our discussion of the investigators we don't like to play, but I will say it now just because you raised it. And I was thinking about this, and I think the investigators that I would least like to play are support investigators like Carolyn. Huh, not your Simply thing. because... I don't know how to play that role. That's not something that you uh, play in, that you do in solo, like supporting other investigators doesn't happen. So if somebody, if I was in a four player game and somebody handed me a Carolyn deck and said, okay, you're the support player, I would, everybody in that group's going to (laughs) die. Wow. (laughs) I almost guarantee it because I I won't know what to do with her. And I think, like I've seen min decks that would fall into that same category. Like if you gave me a min deck and, and it was like that barricade style where she just sits there and helps everybody. Yeah. We're going to lose because wow. I, I won't know how to play, play that deck very well because I, I tend to be like, I want to fight stuff. I want to get all the clues or I want to evade everything. That's, that's what I want to do. But if you're like, okay, you keep everybody alive or you, you know, feed, skill um cards to everybody that's uh, that's a recipe for disaster you bring up some me, really good points there man from lang because in multiplayer i think you mentioned in solo your decks kind of have to be pretty homogenous because you have to be able to do everything and in multiplayer it's not just the investigators that come out but i think different players like your individual play style really comes out if you're into combos you know you're going to be playing a lot of rogue. If you're into support, you're going to be playing guardian or you know Carolyn or things like that or min. Um, so I think support is definitely my thing because I love playing min in multiplayer. I love playing Carolyn and I love playing Tommy, which is also a great support investigator. Um, See, and this is the I'm glad you raised that because this is the example that I was thinking of on the drive back uh, from the big city today was was that game we played together at Beneath the Waves when it was all four of us and you were playing Tommy and we were playing Murder at the Excelsior Hotel and you were playing Tommy as a support role. I could never do that. If 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 I had been playing Tommy at that table, guaranteed we all would have been dead because <laughs> I wouldn't have known what to do. Yeah. But you played it, you kept us all alive and we made it out. Yeah, for me that's fun. But I- if the roles had been reversed and I had to play <laughs> that support role, it's over. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's done. It's kind of more like, um, you know, I, I've been playing a lot of D&D. So like in D&D, you have your different character classes where each one has specific roles. And um, weird as it is, I don't like playing the support role in D&D. I like playing more of a control role. But 
for Arkham, I, I really enjoy it. Like when we played Carnival of Spiders, it's the first time I, I had a chance to play Carolyn full on support. And I had so much fun. <laughs> I had so much fun just countering things, you know, treacheries and healing people and taking damage for people. It was just a blast for me. So see, and I think, I, I mean, Nathan, I know he plays uh, world of Warcraft and I mean, they have the same discussions there because you've got your, your tanks, your DPS and your healers. And I had never played a healer in world of Warcraft for the same reason. Cause everybody would die. <laughs> wow. Nobody would be getting healed if I was, if I was the healer. So shadow priest. Yeah. If I played a priest, that would, I would have to play like the, the DPS priest cause healing would just not work interesting yeah this is this is really interesting i had never thought of it that way in, in arkham that the play styles could actually uh, vary by player as well as opposed to everyone just liking every type of of game um nathan what about you man who are your your three is it me because i see on the itinerary it's nate good luck nate wow uh, he passes the buck like every throws time. Throws me right. I know. He, he's like, okay, Nathan, tell us. Tell us. Points fingers he's says like, everyone's no. a fence sitter, but he's the buck passer. I know. I know. We have fence sitter and uh, you know slingshot man over here, like to sling everything back at you. Can we call him the rubber band man? There we go. Okay. No, you don't want to call him that. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'm just trying to stick on schedule, everybody. All right, Nate. Uh, all right. So my three current favorite investigators are probably, in no particular order, Jacqueline, unsurprisingly, to anyone that watches the Twitch stream. Uh, I've really been enjoying Trish lately, uh, particularly solo Trish is a lot of fun. Uh, she has a lot of interesting interactions between cards like Quick Study and her, her access to both rogue and seeker cards gives her interesting options to build with like curse uh, as well as just general evade slash investigate shenanigans with like working a hunch and cryptographic cipher and probably the third investigator that i've been toying around with and i've been enjoying is amanda sharp because i like skills skills that kills so you like skills then um how do you feel about Silas? I like Silas a lot, too. Uh, I tried a a Silas deck on stream a couple weeks ago that JP sent me uh, that used Unrelenting, and holy bananas, is that card insane in Silas. <laughs> what does Unrelenting do? I don't think I've, I'm familiar with that. Um, so that's one of the newer cards from Horror and High Gear that allows you to... It allows you to seal up to three tokens on it, and if you seal any, I think it's like you if you if all the tokens sealed on it are bless, plus one zero and or elder sign tokens, you draw two. But you don't have to use it for that, right? You don't have to necessarily seal those tokens. So and it, in com- Silas, and it commits can, for a wild icon. Yeah. So with Silas, you can seal any three tokens, and then pull from the chaos bag and if you like the pull you can pull unrelenting back to your hand and just seal three tokens every single skill oh test. my god <laughs> it's so whoa bananas. no wonder okay holy cannoli well you can only have yeah. one committed per test so 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 i guess like go, kind of going on the class discussion i guess i'm the combo player of the four of us i guess so because i do kind of like figuring out those kind of janky combos I've uh, also another deck that I've been toying around with is a um, is a paradoxical Jacqueline slash Sister Mary deck. 
which is not good, but is fun. So, is Sister Mary using a Winchester? Um, Sister Mary probably could use a Winchester in that deck, but no, I didn't include one in the deck. Just because I was also adding curse tokens to the bag, so I didn't want to, um, you know, also draw those in those tests. So I, I went with something a little more reliable for the weapon slot. Yeah, I would definitely not describe myself as a combo player in any way, shape, or form. Because I definitely value Me either. efficiency and meat and potatoes, fight, investigate, evade, Arkham Horror. When I see cards that are like, hey, if you do these three things and this other fourth thing and then pile that in with a fifth thing, magic happens. I'm like, nope, nope, that'll that'll never happen. I'm not I'll never try that. Yeah. So for me, Jacqueline's my solo investigator. She's my meat and potatoes. So she's kind of like my go to solo investigator right now. It's kind of same with Trish because Trish has a reliable uh, way to investigate and uh, um, manage enemies so and then uh, yeah I end up just kind of liking to play janky combos in multiplayer because you just like in multiplayer you tend to have the time to to fish for your cards so I just I just let my team carry me and then when we get to the end I do the important thing so uh, speaking of combos for solo when I was playing in the League of Extraordinary Investigators you know, we have to. You have to watch other people's plays to score them, right? Because it's Arkham, kind of in a semi-competitive thing. Everyone plays a solo scenario, and then someone watches their game to see if they made any mistakes, and then you grade, you you take off points for their mistakes. Well, in the very, I think it was the second season, or yeah, second season of the League of Extraordinary Investigators. Some we we're playing um, Unspeakable Oath. And I was tasked with watching this guy's game. And it was like a two-hour game. And I'm like, why is it two hours? The guy went infinite. I forget what investigator he was using. But he pulled off some infinite combo, which was ridiculous. <laughs> and literally it made it. It was it happened near the end of the game because he had to build up all these cards on the board and go through his deck and all this stuff. But... My God, once he pulled it off, it's like he just kept taking turns and then it never got to the mythos phase. It was just a nonstop his turn over and over and over and over. It was absolutely bananas that someone was able to pull off something like that. But 100% not my play style either. Yeah, I like that from like a theoretical um, perspective but like in that circumstance like i would just be pissed like having having to watch that shit i would just turn it off after the guy went infinite because uh, i had a similar situation when i was in the league happened too where a guy was playing a joe deck and he would go infinite with his deck uh generating infinite resources and infinite actions by like discarding it was like his whole deck essentially like looped cryptic research uh police badge and uh some card to gain him resources so he could like just infinitely loop those three cards and then gain infinite actions so like i i find that stuff interesting from a theoretical standpoint but having to like do it practically i think is another thing unless you're like unless your play group is on board with it which is you know 
a totally different circumstance. But. Right. I mean, I just feel like if you're playing at a table, right, <laughs> with other players. Yeah, it's definitely not a deck that you sleeve up and bring to Arkham Knights with you, that's yeah. for sure. If you're playing by yourself, you're not just going to sit there and go infinite. I, I mean, guess maybe you might, you know? It's one of those things where, in theory, it's you just want to theorize, but to actually do it in person, I guess the league is going to be the best place to to do something like that where people are actually going to be watching, you know, you. Yeah. For me, it's more like testing the limits of the design and like kind of knowing what switches you can pull and play around with that. I find interesting. All right, Nathan, it's your turn. I don't know. You're up. Can you really put a value? Eventually I did. So yeah, no, I think you knocked it out of the park. (laughs) Um, You know, what's really weird is I've always identified as a guardian player because that's my, mindset when i play games to kind of like help out protect help people get through situations and and for i think quite a while i think i identified as a guardian player but what i've found is i'm a guardian player with the heart of a mystic because my real comfort is in playing mystic cards kind of like what vase was saying and i do like the um the kind of the group hug helper routes like Carolyn Fern, the botanist. And I do like combos, but I also like the tofu and potatoes that you were all talking about just a little bit ago. That's the vegan version of meat and potatoes. Um, but I have always had an affinity for Jim Culver. Don't know why. Um, I have really enjoyed uh, Akechi. And as, as far as the Guardians go, I mean, you know, Roland's great, but I really enjoy Mark Harrigan as well, the soldier. Uh, and then finally, the one that um, I kind of enjoy just because it, it, it's interesting with the hunch deck. Uh, is it Diamond Joe Diamond? Joe Diamond? Um, you know, he's got seemingly really good stats because you're mostly fighting and, and investigating. But man, <laughs> if you get some nasty willpower checks or have to evade something you're just kind of screw barred but um yeah i would definitely say if i could just pick any one investigator i really like the flavor of jim culver uh and he's you know start off as being seen as kind of weak but then with carcosa and and some of the other cards that have come out his ability to uh, basically help manage the bag with his skulls etc and and even heal trauma has been pretty fun or or horror so that would be my answer for that one it would be <laughs> i like that we've been consistent with accent and least, yes don't you know <laughs> i didn't realize we went up to alaska real quick too my goodness any of you guys had a chance to play any of Insmith? And if so, what are your thoughts about it so far? Uh, I'm still only at the first scenario. Uh, did get to play with some of the player cards from Insmith, though. I have ex- I have warmed tremendously to Curse and Bless, where initially I was very hesitant and resistant to the mechanic. Uh, after playing with JP, using specifically the Bless mechanic, man, it's awesome. And then the curse mechanic, also a lot of the cards that we were just talking about it before the, the show, a lot of curse cards are really powerful, the ones that add curse tokens. So that's always, that's been a lot of fun. Like, uh, what's that mystic one where you get four wild icons? 
is it Fossian? No, not Fossian Bargain. Promise, Promise of, of power. power. Great card. You know, the, the ones that put in a curse token, totally worth it for what they offer most of the time. So I've really warmed to the curse and bless tokens. And I, I got to say, I was wrong in thinking that the, the bless tokens were going to help. I mean, weren't going to help in tests because it's like, well, we, we all agreed, like generally you want to take a test two points above the difficulty of the test. Um, but what I found playing this game with JP is the truth is in most games, it's nearly impossible to take every test at two up. Generally, you, you're going to be taking tests, the important ones, two up above the, the difficulty because you're going to ration out your skill points, right? Or your wild icons or whatever. Uh, with blessed tokens in the bag, you'll pass tests that you normally wouldn't have passed. And that's that at least was my experience in that game. So I think that, uh, that I've really warmed to it. I really like the Curse and Bless mechanic. A lot of the player cards are really interesting. They have interesting design. Although some, I think, are a little bit overpowered. But uh, otherwise, it's been it's been fun playing with those cards. My uh, first impressions, uh, and they are based on some limited testing so far, but... Uh, and mostly with the, I played a bless deck and a curse deck now, and I and I really like the cards. I like the cards that add curse tokens to the bag because they're quite powerful. Things like deep knowledge and Faustian bargain are awesome. Uh, stirring up trouble is bloody amazing. Um, but so far, I have found the cards that actually leverage the ble- the curse tokens uh, not as good. Um, and this is this again is based on limited experience, but I'm I'm not finding them as uh, once I get the tokens in the bag. Uh, uh, besides blasphemous covenant, which has been rock solid and amazing because it's a permanent and starts the game on the table, um, the other ones that you actually have to draw and play, um, I haven't been crazy about, uh, and I'm I'm not sure. Um, why I feel sort of like it's they're a little slow because you end up you need to get the curse tokens in the bag before they're good and if you uh, end up in a situation where um, you haven't had a chance to add blessed tokens or you haven't added enough like you really need a lot of them in the bag to, to make sure those cards fire and if you're sort of you haven't say maybe you've got like four or five in um it's just they're just not as not as impactful as i would hope but um i mean the cycle is still we've still got uh i can't think i don't think there are any uh cards in light in the fog that really leverage curse to there's one there's one survivor card that that leverages the curse tokens but uh, we've still got a couple of packs to go, so we'll see see if the payoff is there. But uh, so far, the cards that add the curse tokens are great. The the cards that leverage the curse tokens, I haven't been uh, haven't been over the moon about. Yeah, which is interesting because the cards. I, I, I'm assuming it's a fairly intent. Um, you know, it was intentional when they designed it that way. But the the blessed cards. Now, the cards that add bless tokens are fairly mediocre, but the cards that you know reward you for putting bless tokens in the bag seem to be pretty good. Like Rite of Sanctification comes to mind. That card's 
pretty amazing. Um, so it's it's interesting, you know, whereas like the cursed cursed mechanic gives you the benefit right off the bat and then tries to make you deal with the circumstances later, whereas bless is kind of like a middling effect in the beginning and then rewards you later on. So that's a neat little kind of tug and pull with that design that I like. Yeah, and and I think that's I mean I think you make a good point there, and I think that was probably intentionally designed, and and uh, it's sort of like that's like I this rack stack that I've been playing around with, and and was testing out. You know, I built it initially. I wanted to just test out how the the upgrades for Cryptic Grimoire worked, uh, if they worked at all, and and uh, I haven't triggered them yet. I've come close, but I haven't triggered them simply because they've been too slow and I either haven't gotten them on the table fast enough or I don't have enough curse tokens in the bag. Uh, so I think if you're playing with those, you really need some other way of adding secrets. And I mean, there are plenty of cards that do that, but uh, I mean, you need to put those in your deck and I haven't done that yet. So I'll have to test that variant and see uh, whether... Uh, that makes a difference. But the card that, that sort of came to mind to me in the last game I played was Gaze of Arach, which is the one where you draw seven random tokens and then you deal damage based on how many curse tokens you draw. And and to me, it was just like I had that in... I had it in my hand, but I just didn't have enough curse tokens. And I'm like, this is good, but... I'm kind of stuck here. I really need something more. And I think I'd taken out... Um, I took out the one combat card from uh, from Harvey Walter's deck, Occult Invocation, I think it is, in, and replaced it with, uh, with the gaze, thinking like that would be okay. But when push came to shove, I'm like, I could really use that, <laughs> that invocation right about now because this gaze is not is not pulling its weight so we'll see nathan have you played any of the scenarios yet no i um i finally got around to it i i i'm in this weird funk where i haven't been posting that much on my instagram arkham horror images of madness see what i did there um i haven't been posting too much on there because like i use arkham horror as a social event uh, I don't play uh, tabletop simulator, octagon, or anything. I don't want to. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think it's great that people can enjoy it, um, and you can reset it and do all that. I just I like to physically have people over. I like to physically break stuff out. I like to set things up. And with the pandemic being you know around for about a year, I just haven't had a major desire to do so. So I've been kind of going slow through the Arkham stuff. Um, kind of savoring it more than just kind of pushing through it. So uh, I did just recently break out both the new investigators um, as well. I played Harvey Walters, matter of fact, and uh, my compatriot played, uh, is it Habamock, the uh, Aviatrix? Um, and we had fun with the first scenario from the deluxe box. Um, I, I just didn't want to rush it for the sake of you know, blowing through it. And um, I'm glad I waited because I enjoyed getting through there. We got to deal with the, the flood tokens, etc. but we haven't done much with the cursed and blessed. Um, I had said previously that I think it's kind of a neat concept to add more dimensions to the bag. But uh, until I get there organically here in the next couple of weeks, 
uh, I won't be able to to tell you my firsthand experience with it. So one thing I want to ask you guys, what do you guys think about the flood mechanic? Because um, we haven't seen too much of it. Um, so I'm curious, like, what you guys think about it. I think it's fine. I mean, it's it's it adds a little bit more. It, like, lights a fire under you. <laughs> Um, because once the first token goes on, then you're like, okay, another one gets on there. I'm kind of, uh, in a, in a pickle here. Right. Cause if you end your turn, you die. Right. Or something like that. Is that how that works? Yeah. You take like five direct damage or something. Yeah. So you need to, you, it kind of lights a fire under you to keep moving. But once something is fully flooded and you have no means of getting to a safe location within a one turn, uh, worth of actions then you pretty much know you've lost at that point so in a way it's kind of like oh man you know <laughs> um yeah i mean i i think it's okay it's not i don't i don't really have a feeling either way whether it's really cool or not not cool enough it just it's just okay to me. what do you think nathan uh i mean it was neat it kind of heralded back to the first uh scenario in the carcosa cycle to give you a little bit of impetus um no, no mm, it's fine. Yeah, that's also an reminded me callback. Yeah, it also remind me a little bit of the um uh what was it, Black Stars Rise. There was some issues with water. But overall, um no, it was it was cool. I mean, not uber exciting, but I appreciated it for what it was and look forward to, you know, pushing through the rest of the of the campaign at my, my pace. To me it seems kind of like a an interesting variation to the haunted mechanic in a way because both both mechanics affect the way that you look at locations right and, and engage and take risks yeah no i agree yeah um so that was that was kind of the comparison initially that came to my mind when i was thinking about it but i th- i think i like the implementation of the flood more because it feels uh, like it feels more like in your control, like you feel like you can see it coming, whereas with Haunted, you fail a skill test and it's not really like something that you can, you know, control for the most part. So like it, it, I think it to me, it feels like a much smoother mechanic in that regard, which I like my I guess my only criticism of it is that it's kind of it's not really groundbreaking. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really, um, like, I guess I don't really see the, the need for the, the specific flood tokens. If you could have just used horror tokens. Well, I mean, I think it adds a little more dynamic to the game than just one token, two token, uh, with the fact that you've got the different sides or the different tokens giving a different level of how much it's flooding. So I think they were also kind of going for atmosphere as well as the mechanic. Yeah. Yeah, and I could see, like, you know, if they have leftover, um, you know, space on the punch-out board, you might as well use it kind of a deal, too. So I could see that. Um, but, yeah, I, it's interesting. Um, I've played through a couple of the other scenarios that also use the flood tokens, and it's implemented pretty much in the same way. So I'll be curious to see if there's any differences later on in the campaign, but so far I think, to me it feels... I think what we should do is retroactively take those flood tokens and do a return to, return to Night of the Zealot 
and be like, you're exploring your house and, oh crap, somebody left the bathroom faucet on and it's flooded and now you got to run your ass down. And, That'd okay. be interesting, actually. Yeah. I wonder if like there could be like flood variants of like the floor is lava style. I could see like that with Doom of Etsley. Where like once you grab the relic, everything starts to flood and you get a GTFO. I think now's a good time to mention that if you have any idea for adding flooding mechanics to any scenario, please write to Carol Fern the botanist at gmail.com. Carolyn might hook you up. Carolyn, not Carol Fern. Carolyn I literally Fern, said, if you look at the tape, I literally said, Carolyn Fern, the botanist, and I will work with Nate to make sure that that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I do accept Venmo payments. He does, too. He's not joking. Well, Vase, you... Uh you stirred up quite a bit of uh, controversy in the Arkham community <laughs> yeah, yeah. recently. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. So, <laughs> I mean, what the hell, man? You said the game was dead. <laughs> how, how, could you, how could you do this to us? <laughs> well, yeah, that's funny. That's for those who, that's kind of like an inside thing, kind of messing with people who only. Re- so you got to explain yourself. Yeah. Only people who only read the headlines because that's not, that's just the clickbait title. The, the truth is, I don't think the game is dead. But the main point of my video is the current distribution model for Arkham Horror, the, the card game, is very flawed. And as the game has gotten bigger, it's those flaws are kind of getting exponentially more apparent. And it's getting harder and harder to get product. And that will be the end and the death of the game if things aren't changed soon. And my estimation the game has no more than two years left if they don't change their current distribution model. So we've had people... Put on your tinfoil hats, <laughs> boys. Let's go. People have agreed. Some people have vehemently disagreed. And, uh, well, I mean, everyone's kind of got their own perspective on it, which is cool because everybody consumes Arkham in different ways and has a different opinion on regarding whether things are okay or things are not okay. So it... I, I have been having discussions with a lot of people in the community. I've gotten a few emails, and then, of course, on the Great Old Ones Discord server, we've had quite a lengthy discussion about it. And some interesting ideas, some interesting perspectives. But my main goal for this video was to kind of get the conversation going. Maybe some people can come up with some really amazing ideas of things that FFG can do to improve the situation and keep the game alive. Because in the end, that's what we all want, you know? So, do you guys agree? Do you guys think that uh, the distribution model is flawed? Do you like the distribution model as it is? What's up? Oh, the model, I think, is terrible, personally. Um, this is a subject that I've talked about uh, at ad nauseum, I, I think, at this point, with, uh, with community members in our Discord server. Um, you know, I think it suffers from a lot of different issues, you know, and I think... The state of the world recently has only kind of exaggerated those issues with availability. Um, Exacerbated, you know. if you will. Ex- yeah, definitely. The The classic issue that I think plagues the game is, you know, when you go to buy a campaign, you, you, you buy a deluxe box, and then you go and you do this rabid hunt through the internet and your various local game stores 
to try to find the six packs that correspond with the cycle that you purchased. And it just kind of becomes this like wild goose chase of trying to find products in stock. And I think that that kind of ultimately hurts um, the, the game overall because I think it just kind of makes people disinterested when you have to kind of jump through all these hoops just to play the game that you want to play. It doesn't like it doesn't do itself any any favors in that regard. And I think another issue is that, you know, I think a lot of the products can cannibalize each other. You know, I think last year especially was a good example of that when they released uh, Return to TFA, the starter decks, a novella, and Innsmouth all within <laughs> like six weeks of each other, you know? So I like, what do you do? There was hype for a week for each item. And then the hype was gone. Cause the next shiny thing was, was announced or released or whatever. Yeah. It was like, boom, boom, boom. One after the other for sure. And then the other, the other point that I think kind of, uh, gets swept under the rug a little bit is that when you're releasing packs this often, like that has a pretty significant environmental impact. Like, that's a lot of plastic that you're using to release those packs every month, right? That's true. Yeah, there's just so much, so much to it. I guess what my point kind of boils down to is like, if you're going to have the campaigns be like one entity, release them as a single entity is my feeling. Um, like I would personally, if it was me and you said it in your video, you know, you kind of, took my points and ran with them is that i would i would separate you know the player cards from the encounter cards and i would you know sell the cycles as a whole contained self-contained product kind of similar to what uh marvel champions does with um uh red skull or whatever that box was uh nathan help me out here rise of the red skull wasn't it yeah rise of red skull thank you yes yes um, yeah, so I would kind of do something similar to what Marvel Champions does, and I think that they have a pretty good, uh, pretty good structure on how they produce products. I mean, I personally, I would slow down the release schedule, but, um, but yeah, I would separate the encounter cards from the player cards because I think that also solves the issue of people wanting to get multiple copies of player cards, but having to waste, you know, essentially two thirds of the pack just because you end up with all this extra encounter chafe and just release like a campaign, a standalone, and then a set of, uh, a set of five decks every year. And then, you know, some return to, or some other product and then have the game kind of like, let it, let it breathe a little bit. You know, like I think that can't, you could experience the campaign in its entirety if you wanted to, and shotgun it in a weekend, or you could pace it out like people do now currently. And I think just doing that feels like such a win-win for the players and for the for the people that have to keep inventory of all these products because, like, that's just... I think it's too much to ask, especially as the game goes on in time. Yeah, you um, you mentioned letting it breathe for a little bit. That's That was one of the really good points that you mentioned in the Discord that I was like, yes, definitely. Because you, you mentioned right now uh, about the products cannibalizing each other and there's just no room for things to, for the hype to kind of grow for a specific product because the next one is around the corner. Um, it, it reminds me of the Marvel movies, right? So... There was a period for the like in 2019, 
and for a couple of years back where it was like two, three movies a year. And I think people were starting to get burned out on Marvel. And then 2020 hit and nothing came out. And now shows are starting to come out like one after the other. And people are excited again because they're like they had time to. WandaVision. Exactly. WandaVision has gotten tremendous hype because people are like, oh, man, Marvel, it's back. Like it's I've been away from Marvel for a bit. But now I'm ready to take it all in again, <laughs> you know. And yeah, fr- franchise fatigue is definitely a real a real thing. And I think Arkham, you know, with the way that it's distributed currently, I think it really suffers from that. And Ma- Man from Ling, you gave us a really good anecdote about Lord of the Rings before we started recording. Yes, uh, <clears throat> I was uh, before we started recording. I was talking about uh, um, as some people may know, I played before Arkham I played the Lord of the Rings LCG and uh, basically have everything for it uh, except some of the standalones but uh, the last is it uh, the last 11 packs for that uh, that game and so today on my drive up to the big city I sat down on my phone and I was trying to piece together how can is it possible for me to get these 11 packs between uh, several game stores in the big city and other game stores in another city. And I could not do it because they are either out of stock or not in print, or there is some confusion about whether they have been released or not. And, and as a player, I don't think I should have to work that hard to try to put together um, the packs that I'm missing for a game that I love. Now, the thing about the Lord of the Rings LCG was that all of the packs are independent of each other. You All you need to play is the deluxe box and a pack, and it doesn't matter which order you play them in because there's no campaign. You bring this over to the Arkham Horror LCG now, and this the, the breakdown in missing packs is just exacerbated. And I don't get to go on the forms as much as I would like because uh, as a father of two kids and busy doing the channel and stuff like that, I simply don't have the time to sit down and, and read Facebook and Reddit and, and all of the various discords and whatnot as often as I would like. But more often when I do read them, when I do have a chance to sit down and take a look at them, more often than not, there are many, many threads about people complaining about I can't find this pack. I want to do this campaign, but I'm missing this deluxe box or I'm missing pack four or can anybody like pack five is being sold on eBay for $200. Is there anything better? And this sort of, this is awful for the game when so much of the time, so many posts are appearing about people just trying to get the product so they can play the game. Now I know that, uh, circumstances being what they are, you know, COVID has been has has wreaked havoc on on distribution chains and has caused all sorts of problems. But I mean, these sorts of problems have existed with FFG in the past. I mean, you look back uh, over the the lifetime of the the LCG model, and it has now existed. I don't know since um, the mid 2000s i believe is when it, when it started with uh, the call of cthulhu lcg and the uh, the game of thrones lcg but i mean you 
Uh, and fortunately, Arkham Horror has been spared a lot of the delays that some that have hit other LCGs during that time period. I mean, you look back at the the Star Wars LCG that was literally crippled by delays. Like they launched that game, and then the packs just never showed up, and the game basically was suffered a huge hit because of that. And and I don't think it ever it ever recovered from that. Uh, you look at the last couple years of the Lord of the Rings, like they've like the Lord of the Rings is supposed to be releasing monthly. And I, for the past two, maybe three years, that has simply not been the case. And packs have been delayed. Things have been pushed around. Now, some of this is due to internal stuff at FFG that, that I don't understand and designers moving about, but like these sorts of delays have really, hurt the game and and i would you know i've been playing lord of the rings for for 10 plus years now i would like to be able to finish finish playing all of the packs but that is seemingly increasingly unlikely and now we're starting to see like the horror and high gear was was delayed slightly there seems to be a lot of confusion about when uh a light in the fog is being released um and so, uh, like some people have their packs, other people in other parts of the world are like, there's Reddit threads, like when is this being released in Europe or has anybody got any information and FFG and asthma day being what they are, like information is very hard to come by for some reason. They, they're very reluctant to, to release hard dates for, for these sorts of things. And so it creates confusion. And I think while we're sort of, I think we're just, you know, we have fortunately Arkham Horror has been spared a lot of the delays that have happened. But if this starts to get worse, um, I'm really worried about that because, I mean, I love this game and I want people to play it. But A, if they can't find packs, they're not going to bother. Like, we can't expect people who want to get into this game to do all this extra legwork just to find a pack. And if it like if all the scenarios were independent of each other and it didn't matter, well, that's one thing. But this game's a campaign and people want to play it as a campaign. And you have people who are waiting until all six packs are available to play that campaign. And if they can't do that, then they're not going to bother. And ultimately, uh, the game's sales will take a hit and then the company will look at that and say, well, the game isn't selling as well. And then you know, we end up in, in a spiral that, that nobody wants. And, and so it's, I guess it's frustrating for, uh, for somebody like myself who, uh, I fortunately haven't had problems getting packs. Uh, I've got a, a couple of fairly reliable sources that I can go to, but they, none of them are in my city. If I was to try to find an Arkham Horror product in my city, I would come up blank because it simply doesn't exist. And so there are many people in that situation. And so it's it's frustrating. And I think that the distribution model, like the LCG system now has been around for, I think, almost a decade or more. And it's had its ups and downs. And I think it's probably time to to move on. You know, I think it's it it was innovative at the time and it. And it was exciting and it gave people like myself who who were tired of um, 
chasing rares, the chance to just get the cards we wanted and play the cards we wanted. But this monthly pack thing only works if there are monthly packs. And uh, in past LCGs, that hasn't been the case. And and I'm concerned that that's going to start happening for this game as well. And, and, uh, I mean, we've seen, uh, hints. There was the, the Reddit post recently we talked about that there's, there's possibly plans in the works for a revised core set coming down the road, coming down the road, which, I mean, that's great. Hey, I mean, if they expand the core set and put two copies of every player card in that, that's great. People can buy, we can finally settle that one, that one are that old argument of how many core sets do I need to buy? It'll be just the answer will be one, and we don't have to debate that anymore. But again, the problem is if if you're trying to encourage people to buy the core set for a game that's based on campaigns, you better make damn sure those campaigns are available. And right now, that's just not the case. You know, uh, let me break in here because I've been wanting to talk for the last ten minutes, and it's been killing me. Uh, my and and everybody's made great points, you know. Uh, so thank you all for taking the time to share your thoughts. It's interesting because my knee-jerk reaction to that, to all these comments, is no, everything's fine. That's my knee-jerk without even starting to think about it. But that's also because I've been getting packs since day one. And, you know, I went back. I started later than Man From Lang, but I went back and I got all the Arkham or uh, Lord of the Rings stuff. It took a while, but I got it all. But it was a bona fide worldwide treasure hunt to do so. And selling the game to people over years, I mean, the the frustration's palpable of, oh, I want to play this, but where's this pack? Can anyone find this thing? There's this place in Europe. They might reprint it here. I can buy someone's collection for X price, which is more than it would have ever cost me to get the pack, but at least I'll finally have it. So in, in hearing all of your ideas, a couple things come to mind. Number one putting out the entire cycle at a time. Sure, it's going to be a bigger box. Sure, it's going to be expensive, but people will buy it. And I know that because people come in and and buy deluxes in the entire cycle at a time anyway, but this way they don't have to worry about it. And I think Vase had brought it up, but it's been brought up on the the internet several times. The um, plastic waste, uh, the environmental issues, you know, especially if we don't look at the fact that everything's printed on cardboard anyway, but um, to do away with that simultaneously. And maybe they can have some kind of a, if you want to get it now, once a month thing, but also coming out with a reliable, like mega deluxe, this is the entire cycle. Also, to be environmentally conscious and to stop people from having to hunt. Maybe that's kind of cool, but... Yeah, it would be nice if they had a different system. It's not 2005 anymore. It's not even 2020 anymore. We can all thank thank the Lord for that one or whatever. Uh, but yeah, no, it's really it, it's an interesting concept, and I very much agree with you. I want the game to thrive and continue to do well and continue to bring people in. And if it gets to be more and more of a treasure hunt and frustration. Ultimately, that'll just turn people away, and it's crappy. I agree, and it. my concern, because you kind of touched on it right now, my concern is not so much with people who are experienced or who have been into the game for years. Like you said, you've been able to get product. I've been able to get product. I think all of us, for the most part, Man From Lang, there's a couple of times you've had issues, I think, 
in Canada receiving product. But for the most part, we have been getting products. So we have full collections. People that are online in the forums and such that are uh, saying that, no, there's no issue at all. Well, if you have a full collection, you have all the player cards, you have all the investigators, you have a ton of stuff that you can still do with the game and still uh, kind of gain a fresh perspective, play a scenario with a different investigator. And you have new cards that you can add into each investigator or a bunch of different cards from your card pool that you haven't tried yet. So there are different ways to still enjoy the game, plus dozens and dozens of scenarios that you can just pick up and play. My biggest... Con- and all the fan-made stuff. Exactly. And there's 60, 60 adventures right there, too. You touched on that, and I want to get to the fan-made thing in a second here, too. Um, but yeah, it's my concern is for new players. New players they don't have all these player cards and all these scenarios they can play. They buy the core set and they don't have, they only have the three scenarios from the core set, the core set and the player cards from the core set. They don't have open deck building like we do. They don't have a bunch of scenarios. Like tomorrow they wake up in the morning, they can't just say, oh, I'm going to play Undimension and Unseen. And then, then, you know, oh, okay, I finished that. Let me go ahead and play Heart of the Elders. Like they can't do that. We can do that, right? They can only get up and play The Gathering, Midnight Mass, you know, and uh, the one that no one else plays uh, because it's and, and case in point. I mean, even on the Arkham Horror, the main Arkham Horror card game Facebook group today, what's the best way to approach purchasing expansions? I know a lot can be hard to find until reprinted. What's FFG's timeline usually for reprints? That pops up. Oh man, it's daily. every day, every like, single day. Yeah. People people have actually disagreed with me on my video and on the Reddit post that there's no problem, there's no issue. Well, all you have to do is look at any forum, Board Game Geek, Reddit, Facebook, Discord, any of them. And the the thing that is the most consistent in all of those forums is people posting, where can I find this one expansion? Because like you mentioned, it's a campaign, it's a campaign structure. So it's not like Lord of the Rings where you can just buy the first four packs and then skip one and then play the other three and be okay like it doesn't work that way with or play the other two or whatever it is um it doesn't work that way with arkham you miss part of the story if you miss the one in the middle right so you literally if you're missing the pack in the middle you're stuck without finishing the storyline and you mentioned that the distribution model man from lang mentioned the distribution model was great when it first happened and now it's out of date i completely agree with that things change businesses need to adapt Home phone companies that didn't adapt went under if they didn't go into cell phone. Blockbuster and video rental stores didn't adapt. They went under. They didn't go digital. Taxi companies didn't adapt. Uber and, and Lyft are taking them out. Uh, things change. And it, this this distribution model reminds me of like an episodic TV show. And I think that's what they envisioned when they first came out with it. Oh, it'll be like a TV show. People can experience the, the storyline. We'll drip it slowly, little by little. But... People don't consume storylines that way anymore. Well, people, now hold on. People binge watch. Hold on. Uh, I had one, what addendum to what you're saying that I forgot earlier, but you bring it right back up. There is a difference. Like with the TV shows, right? It's different than physically making something. I think they've always tried to play it safe by doing an episode or by doing a scenario pack at a time to see exactly how much sells and to find out how much they should make on their next batch. Because I think they they want to stay flexible with their numbers and not overcommit. Um, that's fair. I, I totally understand that. Yeah, I understand that too. My argument would be, then why would you do it seven to eight times a year then? 
if that was right. the case. You know what right. I mean? Like, like, like if you're going to release like tiny little individual packs, like why would you risk, like why would you risk overprinting or underprinting one particular mythos pack and then jeopardize seven other products? Yeah. It's because they're thinking that the, someone who's a new player might buy the core set and then the deluxe and then the first mythos pack of something. So they'll sell, they'll distribute more of that first mythos pack. Right. But as you get to the later mythos packs, less and less people are likely to buy them because some people drop off or whatever. They couldn't get the, the previous ones. So they're waiting. So I understand why they would make less, but you're right. Like why keep repeating that throughout the year, change the model, change the model because clearly this is not working. The people that want the packs aren't able to get them. And it's not just because the game is selling out. Some people have mentioned that, oh, that means that the game is healthy because they can't keep the stock in the stores. No, that's not That's not it. That's not it at all. Because people are wanting to give the company money and they're not able to because there's no product. And it has nothing to do with it selling out. It has to do with them not making enough product. Um, and then the people that can't buy it, they're going to stop playing the game simple as that i mean there's so many the the thing about this day and age now is there's just so many options for people's entertainment dollars that i mean they're going to follow the path of least resistance if if you make it difficult for them there's there are many i mean the board game industry has just exploded and i lost track how many new board games and games are being released on a on a monthly basis and and if one of those grabs somebody's attention, it's just like, well, I could wait for this Arkham pack or I could just play Gloomhaven. this new cool huh. game that just like, I'm just going to say Nemesis because sure. it's the game that popped in my head. But it's just like, it's right here. You know, I'll play this, you know, instead. It's not it's not Arkham, but I'll have fun with it. And I, I the one point I wanted to make was that I think this cycle in particular has really shown the the has really pushed the this distribution model to the breaking point because because of the bless and curse mechanic and the slow drip of player cards. I think I mentioned this to 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 Nate uh, on one of uh, just a, a Discord post was like after we chatted, I went and over to Arkham DB as I often do and started to like look for decks that were building with the curse and bless mechanic. And I couldn't find very many. Like people just weren't using these cards because they, they weren't using this mechanic because they didn't have the cards to support it. And it was like, and especially with bless and curse, you basically have to wait till the pack six to get the payoff for it. So that's six months down the line. So if you buy the deluxe box and you try to build a bless and curse deck, there's really not much point. You've got to wait until pack one, you get a, a few more cards to maybe leverage the cards. Pack two, you get a couple more. And it's just like, just why don't you just give them to us all at once? Even if they said, okay, we're going to sell the player cards in one pack and we're going to sell the encounter cards in another so you can buy, like I like to have two copies of player cards so I don't have to rip decks apart. I can buy two two sets of player cards and one of the encounter cards and away I go. The, the other weakness was shown during Dream Eaters too when you'd have to wait two months in between a particular campaign Yeah, with the way it was released. Yeah, I mean, look at, a, look at like something like D&D, right? They have two campaigns that re they release per year at the most, sometimes one a year, right? But they do release other product in between, player-centric player product, 
you know, lore stuff. And with Arkham, I think you you guys bring up a good point. Condensing it into one release, putting out the entire campaign in one shot, and then giving it time to breathe, and then maybe release a couple of investigator packs or whatever other other product, you know, like that's... I think that's a great way to to handle the distribution. It, I feel like campaigns. If if a new player isn't able to complete the first campaign that they that they purchased, you know, they already invested all this money in the first three packs, and now they can't get the fourth one, and they're frustrated. They have this game, they love the game, and then the new cycle is released. They're going to think twice about getting into it because they're going to be like, "Well, should I invest in this?" Because it's there's a chance I may not get all the packs for a year, you know? Like, why not just release a campaign, one storyline, all in one shot? People can enjoy it, and then let it marinate, let it sit, release other stuff, and then move move on with it. Well, I think it's interesting that you, you raised D&D because, I mean, back in the, the 80s and 90s, I know when you were, like, two years <laughs> old, these, right. um, like, they were releasing a book a month, like a D&D book a month and that company went bankrupt. Like they were just printing books to just try to like see what sticks. Like we need some money. So here's a new book. Like, and you read those old books and some of them are just a mess. It's just like, what? Like you can just see like how it was just throwing, like I hired somebody, we need a book on, on, on the ethereal plane. Okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to write this in a month and we'll have it out two months later sort of thing. And it just, you know, as a player back then, I was just like, you know, I love D&D, but I can't afford this. Yeah, I know people hated it because they still talk about it today, to this day, about the the amount of product that was released for that game back then versus now. Now they put out a quality product. It's a little more expensive because it's $50 for a book. Whereas before those books were like 20 bucks, 10, 20 bucks, right? You pay $50 for a quality book that includes the things that you want. And then some time passes. You don't have to spend money again for a few months because nothing new has come out for a few months. And you can still enjoy the game with your friends with the current product that was released. I, it, It's weird that FFG didn't learn the lesson from, from uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. Because clearly that's very, very similar to what's happening here. All right. Well, this has been a pretty heavy subject. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of taken up a, a large portion of our episode. Uh, why, why don't we go ahead and kind of put a pin on this? Because I'd be interested to see um, where this topic leads us in a few months, especially if the rumors of the uh, supposed revised uh, core set are to be true. Uh, but let's let's move on to our community spotlight. Ooh, Arkham Horror, the card game Legacy with Rob Davio. Uh, nobody? Okay. Is anybody familiar with the Legacy games? That's the ones that you tear them up and, and burn them and, like, shred them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, basically it came out with Risk Legacy and then there's been Betrayal Legacy and Pandemic Legacy is huge. So... Let's say we do an adventure in Arkham. I'm going to pick something random. Let's say it's uh, somebody's house and the door to the study disappears and there's, you know, I'm just picking stuff at random. Well, anyway, let's say we have a choice and the lead investigator gets to choose. We either dig into the floor or we look for clues and whichever one he picks, he rips the other one up gone forever. 
Now, I don't really mean it because the game itself feels already legacy light, but in a way, <laughs> it kind of sounds cool where you have some one-time things. Anyway, uh, yeah, should I go ahead and take it from there, Nate? Do you want to cue the music? Okay, you know what? We pay more for this than just your ad hoc. So uh, a couple things. Number one, I wanted to spotlight. Um, I don't know if I've done Seth Oakman in the past for the community spotlight. Seth Oakman made, and he's under the name Soakman, S-O-A-K-M-A-N, on the um, board game geek files for custom scenario or custom investigators. He made eight custom investigators. If you put in Seth Oakman or Soakman. Arkham Horror, the card game, Custom Investigators, they should pop up. Really fun. I have actually played them for years. Um, Really well-balanced, tons of fun. And I actually found him and reached out to him uh, and found out that he started doing some custom scenarios on Arkham Horror, uh, Arkham Central. So he did In Blackest Pits, uh, the first of which I believe was the Initiation uh, he's up to three on there. Uh, what's the newest one? Stop the Presses. So he's got three scenarios up on ArkhamCentral.com too, which is fantastic. Anyway, if you get a chance to run any of those investigators that Seth has made, um, do let us know. I'd be curious to find out what you thought about them. And also really exciting, in front of me I have the brand new um, Lovecraftian Choose Your Own Adventure, written by Mark Teppo, uh, The Doom That Came to the Coffee Shop, which is kind of funny. This is meant to be kind of a starter, appetizer-type book. Um, you know, it's got, I'd say, about half of the the, the width that the last one had, uh, Mansion of Madness. Um, he also is going to be coming out with a, a even bigger one than Mansion of Madness called, I believe, The the cold empty, if I want to say that correct, um, and that one is going to be kind of an amalgamation of the thing and uh, mansions of man or not mansions, mountains of madness. Uh, so I am here for it. Yeah, and it is called the cold empty. I just fact checked that because I didn't want to be wrong. Uh, anyway, what I'd like to do for all of our amazing listeners out there, I have a signed copy of the doom that came to the coffee shop. Um, Nate will be awesome and, and provide a link uh, at a later date for ways to order it. I believe you can order it through the night office uh, publishing. But um, I want to give away a signed copy of this as well as another signed copy of his first one, uh, Mansion of Madness. Uh, so that way you can get a twofer and get your reading on, especially during this current cold snap of weather we're having and uh, pandemic. I'm just going to read for a hot second a little intro from The Doom That Came to the Coffee Shop. Sit back and listen for just a moment. This is a test that measures your mental stability. In the olden times, people went mad when they found weird manuscripts filled with arcane secrets. You would think that successive generations would learn to A, not open books covered uh, with covers made from human flesh, or B, not intone cryptic incantations that fall under the category of summoning vast intelligences that see humanity as a stain on the cosmos, or C, not wander into dark places because they thought 
They heard something, and it will only take a minute. And what hard could come from looking, right? But no, successive generations still fall for that shit. The night office believes we can protect the human brain from exposure to cosmic horror, clickbait pop-up spamming, and endless parades of cute animal gifts that seem adorable but are really tragic pleas for help disguised by some idiot's poorly constructed meme phrase that is, of course, set in Times New Roman. This only serves to increase the horror tenfold. In short, we are here to help. So this is a fun little way for you to test out your ability to survive uh, the cosmic horrors and temptations. The the other two larger books are more of a full-on adventure through uh, the Lovecrafting world. And the one thing I really like about, pardon me, the two things I really like about Mark Teppo's work. One, he writes with uh, a lot of smart wit and humor. And, and knows how people think. And as you're playing, you feel like he's also kind of messing with you, which is kind of fun because it's a little cat and mouse as you're reading. And the other thing I really enjoy is the fact that he clearly knows the Lovecraftian uh, mythos uh, and uses that information very well. Uh, there are several comments here and there, different ways that he plays with the mythos and, and what we all know common knowledge and so you can kind of like see into the levels of that, even as you're kind of dealing with this. Tons of fun. I, I do highly recommend checking out his books. They make great presents. They're fun. And we're giving away a set of, uh, of his books. So all you have to do to get that, by the way, is simply write to carolynferntheBotanist at gmail.com. And let's go ahead and... Um, you can share your thoughts on a couple different subjects. You can tell us what you think of our different distribution models of FFG, what you kind of thought. Uh, you can write in with any questions that you want to have for MJ Newman for our charity event, Horror, Horrors, Horror Without Borders, Sorry, coming up Saturday the 27th of February. Um, or you can send us a picture of Fish and Chips, which is uh, kind of a go-to <laughs> homage that we do for the Innsmouth Conspiracy nice. uh, Deluxe Set. So. And we are going to do some trivia. So we've got uh, playing here today, Man from Lang, uh, Nate from Lost in Time and Space, and Vase, a.k.a. the Twisted Tentacle Inn uh, Innkeeper. So... Let's start things off. I don't think I had Nate start off last time. So, Nate, do you want to start us off? I'm going to let you pick one of three categories. First category is pictures. Second category is uh, icons. And then the last category is going to be quotes. I also have a special category at the end called This Shit's Hard. So, Ooh. yeah. A bonus category this episode. That's exciting. Ta-da. Um, I'm going to take icons. Icons. Nice. Uh, I've done this one before. Otherworldly compass. It always points to where you don't want to go. What are the icons on that card? Willpower and intellect. Two intellect icons? Agility. Is that it for everybody? Agility and willpower. Any last guesses? Uh, I'm going to say agility and intellect. Okay, the answer was two intellect. 
That's what oh. I said. Did anyone hear him say two You didn't say anything. I never heard that. <laughs> Check your mic, Nate. That's malarkey. Okay, well, Nate is editing this, so I'm going to go ahead and give him a point. Oh, <laughs> wow. Listen, listen. As we all listen to this episode, as we are all want to do, because we want to see how bad we mess things up, maybe we're going to find out that Nate just cheated. So we'll take that into account. If, in fact, he was correct, great. If not, we'll take a negative uh, or add a negative to him next time. Hi, post-editing Nate here. I would just like to state for the record that I, in fact, knew the correct answer was two intellect icons. And for you listening at home, I'm sure you heard it. Okay, uh, Nate, why don't you go ahead and pick another category? we got pictures, icons, and quotes. Uh, quotes. Some things, once seen, can't be unseen. Oh. Uh, what's the something discovery? Um, horrifying. Some things, once seen, can't be unseen. Ghastly, ghastly re- revelation. I will say that this card does have a victory point on it. Delve too deep. Boom, Nate. Point. After he gets the hint, I see how it is. You could have also said it. All right. Uh, We'll go with uh, anybody from New England. Go ahead and pick the next category. Uh, Let's uh, spice things up and go with uh, pictures. All right. Pictures. Charisma, your friend and mine. How many people on the picture? Four. Two. I believe Vase said four. Yes. Face is correct. Face, you get to pick the next category. I'm going to go with pictures for 200. Pictures. All right. Police badge. Something we should all have under our jacket. What what number is on the police badge? Oh. Ten. Um, Six. Nate, you want to throw a guess out there? Thirteen. 13 is not correct. It was a three. And it's funny, too, because why would you ever think to know that? But once you see it, it is so big and in your face. I'm so familiar with it. You'll just know it after So what's three times two, Nathan? Three times two, seven, you idiots. All right, next. Uh, Who was the last person to pick? Vase, why don't you go ahead and pick again? We got pictures, icons, and quotes. Icons for 300, Bob. Icons. I'll see you in hell, my friend. What are the icons on this card? Is two combat icons? Correct. Wait, is is that card similar to I'll see you in hell? Isn't that what I you just said? said? I'll see you in hell, my friend. Oh god. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, Nate, do you want to go ahead and pick the next category? Let's do quotes. Making me want to throw up in my mouth right now, baby. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that is I am but a simple player in this drama, but if I'm lucky, I'll live to see the curtains fall. Lola Hayes. Um, Improvisation? um, I don't know. I'm going to go with Lola Hayes as well. Piggyback. Piggyback. (laughs) Uh, Lola Hayes isn't the only person practicing their Shakespearean works out in the graveyard, my friend. No, I'm not giving it. Oh! But that was still pretty good. I said it after right. the hit like Nate did. 
No, oh. I didn't get a hint for this one. Because uh, it's pretty obvious to everybody out there listening that knows this card uh, that the answer is William York. All right, Vase, go ahead and tell us another one. Uh, icons for 400 Bob. Yeah, so I believe Man from Lang said that this was his favorite card ever made, a chance encounter. Uh, what are the icons on this card? I can't even remember the card. <laughs> chance encounter. One willpower icon? I'm going to go with a wild. Oh, there are no there are no icons on it. You are all correct and wrong at the same time if you think uh, metaphysically. Um, it is, in fact... One willpower, one intelligence. Fun fact, the upgraded version of the card also has the same icon, so they really didn't do anybody a favor there. Uh, just to spice things up, Man from Lang, why don't you go ahead and give us a category, picture, icons, or quote? I don't know. I'm sucking today. Hey, somebody's got to. I'm going to say pictures. Pictures. Pendant of the Queen. Gorgeous, gorgeous little uh, item here. What What animal is in the picture? A fish? Correct. Nate. Fox. I don't know. Salmon. Nate. Nate seems to have everything on speed dial. Today, Go ahead. So. <laughs> Go ahead, Nate. And let us know what you'd like to do next. Uh, let's do picture again. Picture. Everybody has a garrote wire tucked up their sleeve. In this case, in the picture, where is it set? On, it's on a table. On top of a piano correct it is on top of a piano now vase had you said musical table i would have given you that one you've got to be cheating me <laughs> <laughs> all right nate I, uh, we got icons again, nathan and we accepts got direct venmo payments so apparently holy uh let's do quotes quotes yeah yeah sure that's what you said the last three times Very rogue thing to say, isn't it? You owe me one? Correct. Wow. Jesus Christ, Nate. You guys are getting crushed. Technically, it's you owe me one! Exclamation point, but that's okay. Tomato, tomato. We got quotes and we got icons for the last two, Nate. Uh, let's do quotes again. Quotes. When I find that beast, I'll put it down for good. Also seems like a roguey thing to say. Once again, Chris Silito over there, by the same token, is probably screaming into the phone or whatever he's listening to, like, oh, I know the answer to this, damn it! Backstab. Close. Does anybody want to try one last time? Let God sort them out? Man from Lang? I have no opinion on this trivia contest. It seems stacked. <laughs> <laughs> Close. Tony Morgan. That was a quote on Tony Morgan's card. Or to All quote right, my, my famous quote, the, uh, why are we playing questions. this again? Summon Hound. What are the Combat. icons on the card? And willpower. Um, intellect, sorry. Combat and intellect. Well, Vase just bulldozed as a yeah, way of the answer on that one. <laughs> well, if you guess three times, eventually you're going no, to get... No, because I know which ones yeah, it has. Yeah, sometimes Because the sometimes beast does talking. combat yeah. and, and intellect when once it's in place. So clearly those are the icons that you can commit it for. All right. So here's what's going to happen. I have um, 
I have two different things in front of me. We're, we've got Nate at six points, Vase at two, Man from Lang currently being neutral on Nathan, the issue. Nathan, what's, what's two times three? And uh, we have um, the first question here. I want everybody to grab a spare piece of paper. If you have a spare piece of paper or pen or something, you can write on maybe even a, you can write it down keyboard. Let me know when everybody is ready. Ooh, good. I like the paper sound effects somebody's <laughs> using. All right, let's do this. Is everybody ready? Yep. Man from Lang? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Prepared for the worst. Well, in fact, are we really ever truly prepared? Please write down any of the six items seen in the picture. The more you get right, the more points you could earn. Don't worry, I was going to say, that's copyrighted. <laughs> no, it's, that's very true. Okay, bleep that out. It'll all just be bleeps. Oh, my God. I don't play with this card very often anymore. That's okay. Just write down uh, six objects that you think are seen in the picture. Shed does not Damn count. <laughs> Moon does not count. I'm actually talking about things within the tool shed of sorts. Good try. like half my answer. Oh, so the locker doesn't count? Hold on. Oh, you can put it down. I just... One less thing I have to give you points for, base. And as all the as all the audience members know, if I can give you less points, I will. <laughs> so when you're done, put your pencil down or pen or or stop typing, and I'll know that you're finished. <sighs> Feel free to say done if you've finished guessing. Yeah, done. Uh, done. Okay. All right. So uh, you cannot change your answers. Uh, how many did you write down, Nate? Two. Man from Lang? Two. Vase? Four. Okay, Vase, I want to hear your four. Well, d- okay, the Scantron machine better work here. Machete, a shotgun, a forty-five, and a pair of handcuffs. Okay, uh, let's see, Man from Lang. Uh, I'm going to say a gun and a sledgehammer. I think you're thinking of the TV show Grimm. Uh, can you tell me what type of gun? Uh, I'll say, I'm going to go with vase on this one, say shotgun. Okay. Uh, Nate, I, what do you I have? had a machete and a shotgun. Okay. So we have Nate gets two points, vase gets two points, man from Lang gets a point. The answers I would have accepted are machete, sword, shotgun, double barrel shotgun. Uh, what is that? Thompson, the Chicago typewriter. Mm-hmm. I, I put forty-five. Uh, all those things would be accepted. It also looks to be uh, shotgun shells on the top right corner. Now I think it might be matches, and I think there might be mines, and maybe even a spear. But since I couldn't discern those even with the magnifying glass. I wasn't going to count them against you. Good job. All right, last one. Everybody's favorite dream diary has three different versions. Can anyone name all three? No. No. <laughs> dreams of a madman. I did say this was dreams the Dreams of a uh, child. And, oh, of course Nate can do it. Oh, hey, you can jump in for the third dreams one. Dreams of the journey. points. No, that's not right. 
Dreams of the Madman for sure. I think Dreams of the Child is right. But the other one is like Dreams of the... It's like multiple words. Vase, anything? No, I don't. Did anyone play Forgotten Age? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my one clue. Okay. All right. Dreams of the Explorer. Good job on the first two. I'll go ahead and give Nate and Vase, or pardon me, Nate Man from Lang each two points for uh, working on that one as a team. And uh, had someone just literally looked at the cards and cheated, they would have gotten them all right. So thank you for refraining from doing so. Now, once again, I want to say to everybody listening, as well as my fellow contestants here on the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast, these questions are not easy. I only know them because I'm looking directly at the cards and I'm a sadistic bastard for coming up with the quiz each week. Uh, feel free to write in to us at carolynfernthebotanist at gmail.com if you think we should dumb down our questions or if we should keep them at this level. I do anticipate Man from Lang already writing me an email. So if you wish to join his voices, uh, feel free to do so. In the mail. And that uh, wraps it up for trivia. We got Nate winning uh, close second here with Vase and Man from Lang one point behind Vase. So good job, everybody. Yay, I did it. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, also, you know, just off the, the, the top here, it's been a little bit since we recorded. Special thanks to everybody here in the channel for taking the time to share your ideas, to, to come and hang out, catch up, and I hope you all stay safe and warm during this uh, cold spell we got. Absolutely, and we will uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks for Whores Without Borders. Could you try to pronounce that again a little more carefully? <laughs> Horror. We're gonna get the wrong wrong people listening borders. to the podcast. What the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. February 27th. Be there, or be a geometric shape resembling a rectangle. All right, well, that's going to do it for episode 21 of the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Nate, lost in time and space, and I was joined with... I am Man from Lang, host of the Whisper in Darkness YouTube channel. And I am Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Two Tentacle Inn. Hey, and it's me, Nathan. Thank you for listening.